Kristen Poffenberger, the Runs Wild Ninja, came running onto the American Ninja course quickly, the fastest one to start the course at the Baltimore City Finals. But speed hurt Poffenberger, and he splashed into the water after splipping on the third obstacle. Minutes ago, 19-year-old rookie Tristan Poffenberger lived up to his nickname, the Run Wild Ninja. He is going wild on the course with his screaming family on the sideline and a big crowd from his hometown of Middletown, Maryland in the stands. Poffenberger came out faster than anyone so far, but it caught up to him on dangerous curves. Sports editor Josh Smith has been following Poffenberger from training to the city finals. The two join me now in the studios to discuss American Ninja Warriors and Poffenberger's run. So I understand from reading Josh's articles that you started watching American Ninja Warriors. So tell me a little bit about watching it and then deciding to get off the couch and actually doing it. Sure. So I started when I was about nine. Um, So that would be one of the very first seasons um, back when all the old guys were still like rookies and working through everything. Um, thought it was the coolest thing. Always as a kid, like climbing in trees and being rambunctious and crazy. Um, so it just kind of was a natural fit of like, I want to do that. And then just started climbing around the basement more and trees a lot more and irritating my parents a lot more. So yeah. Tell us about your, uh, your, your nickname is runs, wi- runs wild, right? Where you have to tell us where that came from. Yeah, Cause obviously yeah. you were a rambunctious kid. Like you just said. Yeah. Um, so it started out when my mom was actually pregnant with me. Um, anytime my dad would talk to me or to her, I would just start kicking like crazy and like a running motion. Um, and then since I was born, my mom said, I just got up and ran everywhere. I love to do PE class is my favorite. So I like to run track and different things like that. Um, just, I always did everything quickly, whether it was climbing or whatever. I heard that you guys had a trampoline in the in the backyard that you would get crazy on and do some do some things like you laid out a mattress or something. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, definitely. Um, I begged forever to have a trampoline, um, and then I taught myself how to flip, back flips, front flips, and then I was like, oh, well, what if I jumped off the trampoline? So I started flipping off and all kinds of crazy things. Well, you got you have a mattress out there, right? Did your mother like? Did she, was she okay with you pulling a mattress out of the house to go? <laughs> I, jump I had in, to jump ask. On? I had to ask, but I would put a blanket down so the mattress wouldn't get dirty. Um, and uh, me and my cousins also used it for wrestling matches. We would set up ladders, and I would like jump off the ladder to the trampoline and then to the mattress. Crazy stuff like that. Who was who was the, the wrestler that you were pattering your moves after? Did you have a favorite? Um, I had a couple of favorites. A lot of the older ones, yeah. um, Ultimate Warrior and stuff. I'd jump off the top rope like Jimmy Snuka and stuff like that. That so. is old school. Yeah. That's a long time ago. Yeah. I don't know. How how'd you even know who Jimmy Snuka was? My mom introduced me to okay. it, so I thought the old school guys were the coolest. Um, <laughs> some of the new school guys are cool, too, um, but I liked all the old stuff or just made up my own characters, too. Right, right. All right. So how did you go from jumping off the trampoline onto a mattress to deciding to train for American Ninja Warrior? Tell us a little bit about what you did to prepare for those very fun-named obstacles. Yeah, so I didn't actually go to a gym till I was a lot older. Um, when actually I was trying to find work, um, I worked at like a I was a shorter cook for a while and different things. Um, my girlfriend's mom was like, "Hey, did you know there's a ninja gym coming to Frederick?" I was like, "Oh, cool!" So I called the guy and told him what I did and how much I liked it. And he's like, "Absolutely!" So met up with him, started building out the gym, um, which is called Jump Climb Extreme. Um, started building obstacles and as we built them I trained on them and you know he might have to show me one or two times but then I just took to it really quickly and learned and ran with it from there and I understand you it started with a basement gym oh yes yes um <laughs> my dad would take old t-shirts and use them as oil rags um so I would steal those time on our rafters and use those as like grips um or bungee cords or chains or whatever our punching bag quickly turned into like a uh, spinning obstacle thing that mm-hmm. i would hang on so anything i could find i used and climbed on it well i mean what was it like so you did all that kind of stuff at home this ho- these homemade obstacles in your basement like what was it like how did you feel when you actually got to train on legit like ninja obstacles and you were learning from someone who had done who had done them as well yeah so a lot of the techniques the same okay. um, i got so comfortable on riskier things in my basement with no mats yeah to moving to legit stuff was kind of hand in hand yeah um some things i needed a little bit more technique so he would show me and then it was just like okay cool i can do that and then i would do it myself um but i always enjoyed swinging and laches and stuff so 
right. you can kind of do that, a lot of it's easier. Have you always sort of had just like really naturally strong grip, grip like hands, wrists, uh, forearms and stuff? Yeah, I would say so. Like I said, I climbed trees okay. since I could walk everywhere all the time and right. anything that I could. How much do you still focus on, you know, those muscles and, and particularly strengthening those muscles for all of these obstacles? Because most of them, I mean, not, not, not most of them, but a lot of them require, you know, incredibly strong, you know, hands. So yeah. I'm, I'm assuming you still focus on that sort of stuff. Yeah, I go heavy probably three times a week. Um, try to go on and off to give it a rest because you don't want to destroy them too much. Yeah. Um, but alternate rock climbing, and then I do my own grip workout, um, and then just other different things like normal pull-ups on bars right. works your hands too. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm really curious about what the process entails in terms of applying for the show and getting on the show. So I'm curious about how, you know, how much time that took from when you actually submitted your application to when you heard back from from them for the first time. Yeah, so it was a really long process. Um, I saw the flyer, so I was like, okay, cool, let's start brainstorming because you read what they tell you, and it's basically like, you're athletic, that's great, but think of yourself as a level playing field, so is everybody else. What makes you unique? So it was, okay, let's try to share my story. How am I going to present that? But also showing that I can do the obstacles. So I was doing big moves and taking months to record stuff just to get the right angles and Mm -hmm. the perfect take because I'm just super picky about it all the time. Mm -hmm. Finding a decent background music, um, putting it all together. Um, I sent a rough one in. It was about a minute long, I guess, of just brief talking and more action. Um, So I put that in um, closer to the end of the deadline, and I heard a call back, I guess maybe a month or two, um, and she called me. She's like, hey, I love your story. I thought that was really cool, but I want a little bit more. I want mm-hmm. more of you talking. I want some more. I was like, oh, my gosh. So I was going to say you had to be losing your mind yeah, that they called you and said want more. Right? Yes, complete panic of like, oh, my gosh. I'm like really close, I think. Yeah, I don't know. Right. So I was like, okay, I'll make more. And she's like, okay, act excited when you're, you know, just like you have energy now. I was like, okay, cool. So I took like a million takes on an interview to myself, like just saying, hey, I'm Tristan. Like I want to be on the show. And I started doing backflips like crazy in the video and yeah. trying to be excited. And she loved it. Um, so she's like, okay, cool. Like, I'll be out whenever I can. Um, send me some family pictures. Send me some pictures of you. So I did all that. Um, and she's like, cool. And I just had to wait. I was like, oh. So <laughs> that was like probably another couple months, maybe four really? months. Really? Okay. Just waiting and waiting and waiting. Um, and I remember she called me from an L.A. phone. So any calls I got, whether well, it was 800 whatever. Well, hang on, though. Did you ever think about calling her back? Well, I guess I could have, but they call you right. when you get on, so I didn't want to be like that guy <laughs> like, her, constantly right. poking and stuff. <laughs> so um, I just waited. Um, and I remember just kind of hanging out in my room one night, um, and I got a phone call, and I looked at it for a second, and I was like, oh, you're going to call. And then I saw it was from, like Los Angeles, and I was like, no way, this can't be it. Mm-hmm. So I turned the TV off, kind of gathered myself for a second, and I answered the phone. And he's like, hey, is this Tristan? I was like, yeah. And he's like, hey, I'm Mike I'm from Ninja Warrior. I just wanted you to let you know that, uh, you know, we want you on the show and i just started crying and i was so happy and he's like are you crying i was like yeah yeah i'm sorry he's like no that's great like why are you crying i was like i just i wanted this so bad and he was like really happy for him he was like well that's great man like can't wait to see you out there um right send you some emails we'll be in touch um and then the process began of you know getting the paperwork and the waivers and all that stuff and just getting ready and it was like a whole lot of you know just wow, preparation, and he's like, you get to make a T-shirt. So I was like, oh, I get to have a shirt? Like, I forgot about that. Right. So then it got fun of picking it out and what I wanted to do when I got on the stage and everything. So do they do they make those with you, or do you have to – you're in charge of doing that yourself? You you make your own shirt, um, okay. and then you send it in for approval. Oh, okay, um, right. Because you're not allowed to have any logo showing on your right. clothes at all. So you make your own original shirt. Um, right. And if they approve it, then you're good. And mine's just a gray shirt with my ninja name on it. So. Right. Right. All right. And tell me about these waivers. So what right. do you sign away when you say, I want to go do American Ninja Warrior? So uh, it was like a book full of stuff that I read over. Um, and when actually I turned it in just to skip for a second. A lot of the veterans kind of know the ins and outs sure. of it. So I was like, I signed everything. I read everything. Right. I asked my dad. I was like, good for do, you. Do we need to get a lawyer or something? <laughs> like this is a lot. Um, so it's basically like, you know, this is your thing. This is extremely stressful. Like, you might get hurt. You could die. Like, there's a whole bunch of stuff that could happen. And so basically, okay, cool. I signed it off, and sure. I was ready to go. So <laughs> signed away your life. Yeah, it got pretty much. <laughs> um, you know, you can't share anything. You know, we work really hard to keep it a secret. Um, and it's explain the rules of the course, some different things that I didn't even really know. Um, right. Just kind of being on the show myself. 
um, so what I could do, what I couldn't do. I was like, okay, cool. So did that for, filled all that out. And then when it was time to go to the, uh, the filming, I just brought it all with me. Did they tell you when they, when, when you first heard from them that you were made the show, did they tell you which, which, uh, city that you'll go to, to qualify? Yeah. Yeah. They, they told okay. me that I was going to Baltimore. Um, had, was that, that a relief? Was the, yeah. I mean, that yeah. was the closest. I was like, oh, that was awesome. So that okay. was nice. Um, but if you're, if you get picked for a city that I think is a couple hundred miles from you, they'll actually fly you out there to help you out. Nice. Um, so that's cool. But I was glad it was in Baltimore. So it was close, kind of a local kid kind of vibe. Absolutely. All right. But so you get to Baltimore and you have to do this. And I understand you were up pretty late and then you had to go run this crazy <laughs> obstacle course. Yeah. So the couple of days before my mom and dad were like, drink water, get some sleep you know, rest. And I was also trying to train later at night because, mm-hmm. you know, I had no idea when I was going to run. So freaking out, having trouble sleeping. I got there at like, so wait, you would wake up. Like you, you told me this, you would wake up, you'd force yourself to get up to do something, right? Yes. Or if you like, let your dog out to in the yeah. middle of the night, you would tell me that's tell us that story. Yeah. So anytime, um, if I woke up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom or get a drink, do some push-ups, do some pull-ups, yeah. do something. Right. Just because it's weird to work out that late. Absolutely. If my dog had to go out, I went out and ran on a run with him or climbed my trees or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I trained at the gym maybe three times that week, and I went rock climbing heavily twice probably mm-hmm. um, for grip and then just rested the last two, try to be ready mentally. Right. Um, but, yeah training whenever I could. I mean, that's the thing is you don't really have an example for, I mean, you know, somebody who did, who did the show before, right? Someone you work with, what's his name? Uh, Roy. Okay. So did he give you some help as to like, okay, here's how you should sort of like ramp up to the show. This is how much you should train before you go into the show. Yeah. He gave me a few pointers here and there. Um, but the show has changed so much since then he competed. Um, I think it was way back in season nine or maybe even earlier. And it's, it's evolved so much in just Mm -hmm. those past few years. Um, so the process is a lot different and it's a whole lot of different things. Um, but yeah, he said, you know, eat certain things, train when you can, but don't overdo it. Um, especially because he knows me, I'll just get so excited and train so hard. I'll be, you know, I'll wear myself out. Mm-hmm. You're, or you'll forget to eat or something like yeah, that. Yeah, or right? anything. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you're there. It's really late. You practice practiced or doing different things at night. But what was it like actually having to stay awake, watch people, get ready, can't exactly be warm in the middle of the night. <laughs> right. So we get there at four o'clock um, for check-in and everything, um, and you just see the course, and it's like, oh my gosh, that's the Ninja Warrior course! Like, wow. So there's a whole bunch of us because it's qualifying. And there's more people right. than normal. And it was how um, many? It was like it's it's more than a hundred, correct? I believe so. There was a lot of people yeah. there. Yeah. Um, so we're we're getting there, and um, some of the course testers were kind of running the course, making sure that things were working properly and everything was in place. Um, I wasn't sure about that. I said to her, I wasn't sure if you actually got to watch someone do the course or attempt some of the stuff or even see the course like before you got there. So you were actually able to see some people attempting. Yeah, very, very briefly. Okay. Um, from where I could see, I was at the very, very beginning of the course and it was like at the end. So I couldn't see down anything. Um, and then after a little while, the producer comes and gets us and he actually shows us the course. Okay. Hey, this obstacle is called this try to do it this way um and i'll have a guy kind of show us okay. in case we've never seen it before right um but watching somebody is totally different than doing it yourself mm-hmm. so after they do the demo you go back in the waiting room and then you wait till dark um till eight when they want to start um how comfortable did you feel at that point a- after they showed you you know they, the demos um you know you have you do have some experience doing obstacles and you've you've also done other ninja competitions as well on a much lower level sure um you know, how close were some of these obstacles to what you've done before? Um, I would say probably one of the obstacles I was really? like, oh, I can do that. All the other <laughs> ones I was like, oh, my goodness, this is scaring me because they were just so different. Um, but, yeah, I all my training, I was kind of like, okay, I can see a technique there that I could do. Um, but, like I said, on the side below the obstacles kind of watching somebody, I was mm-hmm. like, i pretty much just going to have to try to watch or just do it myself. Right. Um, and do they explain why they want you to start – at night instead of having you do it during the daylight? Um, they don't. I think it's just under the bright lights, everything is more beautiful. Um, I mean, you're by the by the water in Baltimore. Um, the city's kind of asleep. The lights are on. Like, it was just a really nice setting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get that, make the lights look nicer. It's just a lot more. It's all about production, just, yeah, baby. It looks better that way. Yeah. You know? 
I mean, I think they used to have it during the day. I think when that show first started, it was they'd yeah, have some definitely. daytime tapings and stuff. But you said, like, you're right. That show has changed dramatically over the last several years. Completely. Um, so, so yeah, so you went um, – what, what time was it? Well, I guess, first of all, I wanted to know um, – so 8 o'clock was when things started for everybody? Yeah, that's when they kind of started to get the cameras warmed yeah. up. You got your rate or your order number. I got 46, um, so I was about halfway, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you literally just sit there and wait until all those 45 people before me were going. Um, they do have, like, a little monitor back there for us, like a brief kind of thing, so we can see something. Um, so I kind of watched that, but I just kept getting more nervous the more I just sat there. Um, and it was, like, 30 degrees, so it was cold. Um, and I didn't know that you could bring stuff, like, a whole lot, so I had a backpack, and all the other vendors had blankets and beanbag chairs and stuff. I was like, oh, my gosh, I should have thought about that. So, <laughs> um, but I just kept running up and down the stairs that we had. Um, they yeah. made, like, a pull-up bar, so I was doing little things on that, stretching a lot. Because the second you get cooled off and get cold, you, you need to stretch again. Sure. Um, they had a little hand warmer, so I was doing that. Um, and it was just waiting and waiting. And then when it's, uh, I think, three to five people before you, um, you actually go down to the holding area, and then you're beside the course, kind of waiting off to the side of the camera, um, you can warm up some more and talk to the producer. He wants to know, mm. like, hey, what's your name? Like, you ready to go? You feeling okay? Um, you know, go check wardrobe just to make sure your outfit looks, you know, you're good to go. Mm -hmm. um, and what are you going to do when you get on stage? Like, you're going to do a backflip because they want to know so they can get the camera wide or, you know, however they need to do it. Um, and then you just wait till it's your turn to go. How, how many people actually – so in the time that you were able to watch on that monitor or, or whatever, how many people made it through the course entirely before you went? Um – I think maybe one or two people. I don't actually recall. Um, I know there wasn't a whole lot. Right. Um, a lot of other people kind of fell earlier mm -hmm. and kind of getting warmed up. I think running earlier, you got the, ner the nerves more. Mm -hmm. Kind of, you're the testers, you know, more or less. Um, the early on ones are, I think, harder to do. Okay. And so when you're running, were any of the veteran ninja warriors there already running the course, or do they tend to come later after everyone's done? So they mix it in. Um, I think it depends on – I think I just throw them in there randomly. Yeah. Um, kind of get the crowd excited sure. for, through the whole show. Um, so I remember before mm -hmm. me there was Najee and there was uh, – um, oh, shoot. Joe Morosky ran before me. Jamie okay. Ron ran before me. Um, and then it was Chris Wolcheski and then it was me. Um, you know, I ran right after the uh, girl that blew out her knee, actually. Oh, yeah, from years um, last year, I guess. She, she yeah, had an yeah. injury. Yeah. I ran right after her. Um, but, yeah, they, they kind of spread them out so the, the fans can feel the uh, energy through the whole sure. show. Sure. So you're, you're, you're waiting your turn, and like you, were telling, you were telling us all these things you were doing to stay warm. I would imagine you were probably talking to a lot of the experienced guys and saying, like, were you asking questions about how you sh what you should be doing, or, or um, were you just sort of on your own there? I kind of was on my own. Yeah. I'd, they were kind of – they kind of all know each other, and I was the rookie, and I was like, yeah. there's a lot of people here for qualifying, a lot of like, oh, well – a lot of the rookies won't make it through the whole way. And a lot sure. of us, you know, a lot of people struggle when it's their first time. And we should mention you're just 19, and that's the, the minimum age, right? Yeah, yeah. I made it by, like, two months. Right. So I was really young. Um, but, yeah, I was – I had a friend there, thankfully, who got a wild card, and he was talking to me, and, like, we were talking tips. Um, I talked to Jamie Ron a little bit. He was a really cool guy. Um, so I kind of soaked up what they were talking to themselves about and each other. So just kind of, like, Eaves, being a – Eavesdropping. Being a, yeah, more or less like <laughs> a third wheel of just kind of, like, I'm just going to I'm just gonna soak everything that's in and observe. That's awesome. Yeah, so good that's idea. That's what I did. Gotcha. So in between doing the qualifying round and then the city finals, do you get to talk to more people? Do you get a chance to breathe? Or are they getting you right back on the course? So I ran the qualifier – um, after my run, I went and did a little bit of interviews and stuff, um, and then I decided to wait for the whole rest of the show to finish up. Um, and then you have to do a little bit of more paperwork since I got in the top 15, mm -hmm. um, and then you're released to go. Um, so I went and met my parents at the hotel, just tried to get some sleep at all of what I could. Yeah. Um, I think it was like three or four hours. Woke up super dehydrated, just tired. Mm -hmm. Um Got a little bit of water in me and fluids and ate some. Um, checked out my clothes, had to get some dry clothes, new shoes and stuff. Um, and then it was right back on there and did the same thing all over again pretty much. Let's go Let's go back, though. So let's talk about the run. Um, you get up on stage and just take us through it. You and I did this on the phone, I guess, the night that it, it aired, and I was asking you to take me through each each obstacle. 
and I can't I, I can't remember all the names of I should have written it down and brought it in here but um, you know take us through it and and you know wh- what your what your mentality was as you were going through each of those obstacles you made it through I think so six right is is the yeah, first six round total. okay and you made it through f- almost through five, five yeah. right okay go ahead so you get on stage there's this little um, shining circle you stand on and they let you do your thing so I was just I mean standing below the steps walking up onto the stage was like I'm going to throw up. I don't know what to do. Like, this is terrifying. So I just remember, he's like, okay, go. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So I walk up there, and I just, it's kind of quiet. And then I hear my, my mom and my dad just erupt. I'm like, okay, I hear my family. It's okay. I got this. So standing on there and just pointing it up, kind of said a little prayer to myself, like, hey, this is my moment. Let's just let's just take this, you know. You know, God's got me. Let's go do something. And then the producer counts you down, and you're off. So the shrinking steps were first, and I just took across those, kind of looked at the steps, jumped to the rope. I was like, I got it. And I just kept running, went right, right. into the second one, um, the spinning hook things, went through those, got the dangerous curves. I made sure I took a second to grab the towel just to kind of make sure I could feel my hands. And they weren't is there something anything. like is it hanging there or is it like yeah, on the mat? They, they had it on the mat gotcha. for it. Um, so I grabbed that for a second, started up the boards. Um, at this point, are you thinking about time at all? Like no. at all? Because you don't need to worry about your time no, in the first round, No, I was just right? like, just just go. Yeah. <laughs> I had nothing going through my head, but just focus on what you're doing. Right. So I was going through um, the first board, super fun, got to the top, and I distinctly remember that swivel board kind of being up there, because you get a second to kind of chill out when you're rotating around. I heard my mom crying. She's like, I love you so much. <laughs> like, I'm so proud of you. Like, that just felt really good. And my dad, I mean, I think I ran faster because he was there, because it's just like, he just motivates I me, mean, just hearing his voice. It's probably pretty, like, there's a lot of people are screaming, but you can hear your you know oh, your yeah. parents yeah i can you can hear your parents voice yeah. so i i distinctively heard them um and the crowd didn't have a clue who i was either so they were cheering for me and stuff but like my parents were going nuts i could hear them over everybody so i got down to the board as soon as i got across those boards my dad was just losing and they all were went across the little spinning dial things the balance obstacle mm-hmm. made it through that and then i just started jumping up and down and got on my knees and said another prayer because i was like oh my gosh i'm like the fifth obstacle i could see the warped wall and it was just, I was like, I'm, I'm in this thing. Like, I'm doing really well. Um, then I saw Crank It Up, and I was like, I don't have a clue what to do. <laughs> I grabbed the handles, and I was like, oh, boy. So yeah. I just started kind of moving and lashing and trying to swing up, and it was really, really hard. Yeah. Like, watching other people do it or, like, the demo guys, I was like, man, they just have the technique. I don't know what I'm doing. So watching it back sometimes, I'm like, oh, I was swinging too much. I was doing this. But in the moment, I was like, just get through. Don't mm-hmm. stop. Just fight. So I got through the first one, got to the second one, kind of halfway up, and then I just remember my hands just just getting cold, and I was just, I was just done. Right. I ended up slipping off, fell in the water, and then, like, just having those few seconds under the water, I was like, oh, I literally just did that. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. And I got back up and just turned around, and people were cheering for me. I saw people. I was like, this is so amazing. Did you did you get that did you get those handles pushed all the way over on the second set or did you did you get stuck like no, on your I, way up it? I got stuck on the way up. I didn't yeah. get all the way. It looked incredibly difficult. Like yeah, it, it was it was tricky. And then seeing some of the veterans do it, and I'm like, hey, make it look so easy. Yeah. It's just the technique. You got to know how to do every little different torque to your body to right. make you move a certain way. Right. All right, and so for people like me who watch the show and watch everyone fall in the water and just you know squirm a little bit <laughs> what was it like hitting that water is it freezing does it hurt? feel like yeah, falling was, on the pavement it was pretty cold um and it's not it deep hurt. is it uh, i was about maybe waist to belly button yeah. up there um because you don't need a lot because you kind of tuck into it mm. you stand up and i was like it's cold <laughs> 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 you didn't really feel it at first because you know my adrenaline was going nuts i didn't feel anything um i got out and they gave me a towel and started walking back and then i got cold and the one producer was walking me back. He was talking to me. He was like, that was, that was really good. Like, you're a rookie. That was impressive. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, just said so I did a good job, and I was just elated. I was smiling ear to ear, and I was just so happy with myself. And then he's like, hey, um, you cool if we do some interviews with you, you know, kind of get some more of your story and different things in case we want to use it. I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah. So he's like, okay, get changed. I was mm-hmm. like, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I had only had a few minutes to change, so I had to do that really fast. Um, and then... They found my parents. They let me kind of talk to them, and my dad wanted pictures, and mm-hmm. I was just, like, so proud of me. It was it was just great. Um, so I took a few pictures with them, and then we all went over to this, like, hotel they had and waited and did some interviews and stuff there. That's actually where I met Jamie. Um, 
came out from my interview and he was talking to my dad mm -hmm. just a super cool guy i was like if anybody can sit there and talk to my dad for a while and then i talked to him and it's like can i have a fangirl moment take a picture please <laughs> which like, one yeah. is this guy again this is this the guy with the green hair yeah okay. captain nbc yes super cool guy i've always liked him awesome well, so so you you said you went back to this hotel and they were interviewing you and they wanted to get more of your story and I wanted to give you an opportunity here to talk about that as well um, because this is something that you you definitely want to keep out there as you continue your pursuit of Ninja Warrior. So just just talk to us real quick about you know what were they asking you about what did they want to know about and what is the story that you want to tell? I mean I did a story about it in the paper but I want I wanted to come from you like what do you what is your story? Yeah, so they basically asked you know tell us about your background and stuff and it was you know i'm from middletown smaller town um kind of kid mm -hmm. um i uh, grew up with two parents um who just happened to have some addiction problems mainly more my mom uh when she was younger her mom had it really heavily so it was a lot of stuff for her so she just kind of kept with it um um growing up was difficult i, I never did good in school i constantly fought and stuff um and I, had no, I didn't have a close relationship with my parents. I fought with my mom a lot. Uh, I remember just kind of getting in her face and yelling at each other, and just it wasn't very good. Um, a lot of scary times have happened um, with different things, and it all kind of capped off and came to a head when we took my sister to our grandparents' house in West Virginia, like way up on top of a mountain. Mm -hmm. um, and, and this was when you were, how old were you, 12 or so? Yeah, I was about 11 or 12. Um, and while we were there, she, I didn't know it at the time, but she had went into the bathroom and raided the medicine cabinet and took a whole bunch of stuff. And so on the way back home, she ended up, um, blacking out kind of not, mm -hmm. she didn't overdose yet, but you know, that kind of thing mm -hmm. and just not herself and ended up drifting into the other lane and hitting trees and rocks and stuff along the side of the road. Cause it's a, I mean, it's a tiny curvy mountain road with a guardrail and then like hundred feet down yep. off the side of a mountain. So I just remember asking her, like, what's wrong with you? And she just, there's no response. It was like mumbled words, and she just was not paying attention to anything. And I kept on having to grab the wheel and pull us back right. um, just to try to keep us on the road. Um, in the dark with headlights is crazy hard, especially when you're not actually driving the car. And you're um, a kid. Yeah, and you're a kid. So we were uh, headed down, just kept hitting stuff. I mm -hmm. remember you know just denting and knocking the rear view mirrors off and it was just crazy um we came down and it merges onto another road um went right through the stop sign went onto that road just terrifying mm -hmm. getting onto a road with more speed um and as it comes around it comes to a gas station before it crosses the bridge um to go from west virginia to maryland um so she pulled in there uh into a handicap sign so you can't park in a handicap well she took the sign out so it wasn't necessarily handicap mm -hmm. anymore right um, so she went in, um, and my first thought was grab the phone. Um, so I grabbed the phone. I called my dad because I didn't know who else to call. Called him, and it was really late, and he kind of answers. And I'm like, Dad, something's wrong with Mom. Like, oh, she's drunk. She's driving crazy. Like, you know, and he's just woke up from me calling him, and he's like, what are you talking about? Like, calm down. And, you know, he didn't really believe me at first. He thought I was crazy. He's like, no, I'm serious. And, and then I saw her come out of the store walking towards the truck, so I got out. Mm -hmm. um, and the manager had chased her out and said, you know, you can't have that because she had apparently tried to buy some alcohol. Um, and people that had followed us said, hey, look, there's something off with this lady. So that kind of turned into some back-and-forth altercations and different things. Um, at some point, my dad got handed off to the manager, and she told him what she had heard, and then my mom had the phone, and she was kind of going nuts and yelling at him, and I think that was what helped him realize, like, okay, I need to get over there. Something weird's going on. Sure. Um, and then she tried to leave, um, and she was waiting there, and the door was open, and she's like, get in the car. Mm -hmm. And there was a bunch of people over to my right, like, come over here. Like, we know you. Like, your mom's over here, like, trying to get me not to go in the car, anything but go in the car. And for whatever reason, I got back in, and I was just, I didn't know what to do. I was scared, terrified. Um, so I jumped back in, started driving to the bridge, and then I immediately was like, this is a terrible idea. Um, there was nothing on the bridge. It was just us um, at the time. Um, and as soon as we started to go on, uh, lo and behold, a big tractor trailer starts at the other end coming towards us. And of course she can't keep it on our side. So mm -hmm. we ended up going straight towards him and it was like, he didn't see us or something cause he just kept coming and coming. And it was one of those moments of 
sitting back in my seat, just grabbing the seatbelt because I felt like it was just strangling me and my breath was taken away. And mm-hmm. I just thought, what am I going to do now? Like, there's nothing I can do but sit here and wait to be just hit by a truck. Um, closed my eyes and just kind of waited. Um, and I remember opening them as we kind of were passing it. And, I mean, you could have fit like a piece of scrap paper between us. I mean, it was just that close. Mm-hmm. It just, just scraped the side of us. Um, and I just started crying and just, like, not ever hyperventilating in a way of just trying to catch my breath and calm down because that had just happened. Um, and she didn't stop jerking the wheel and ended up hitting the bridge. So that scared me more. And then we were on top of the bridge, kind of like our wheels were off for a second. So after almost getting hit by a truck, I was thinking, great, now I'm going to go over the bridge. So I took my seatbelt off and was just waiting because I was like, I got to get out of the truck if we're going to go over. Um, the wheels actually ended up blowing out, mm-hmm. and that helped us to drop back off onto mm-hmm. the road. And thankfully, that was at the end, so we ended up coming to a stop. She pulled over, knowing that the wheels blew out, so she's like, I got to get out and see what I did. So I just sat there, just absolutely a wreck. Right. Um, she got out, went around the front, um, kind of fumbling around the guardrail in the grass area. So I kind of got out just to try to gather myself, and there was a car that pulled it behind us, and the guy came right up to me and I could barely hear him it was like they were whispering to me and he's like hey we were following you like we're here to help like don't worry Mm -hmm. and his buddy went to kind of hold my mom still so she didn't run in the road or whatever and he was talking to me asking me if I needed anything I was like no I just I just need to be in it um so they were over there kind of keeping my mom still um and then some cops got there and I had a cop come over to me and kind of keep me in still and then one kind of go figure out what was going on with her mm-hmm. um so there was a bunch of cops and i just remember at a moment sitting on the side of the road all by myself it missed all the chaos and the speaker commotion and yeah. the radio commotion and all the cars passing and thinking like what did i just go through yeah how did i make it through any of that and the best part of the whole night was when the cop came and grabbed me on the shoulder and he's like do you know this guy and my dad like had his arms open like coming towards sure. me and i just took off held him and i was terrified um well eventually your your mother was taken to the hospital and then eventually went into rehab correct is that yeah so i got picked up by my aunt laurie um taken off um they put my mom in ambulance she actually died like three times on the way there right was put into like a three-day coma i think at the hospital woke up um and basically like look this is inexcusable you know you need to fix this so she ended up yeah i'll go to rehab that kind of thing and the first time I saw her before she went to rehab to say bye to us, I hated her. I wanted, I didn't want to yeah. see her. I was like, just get away from me. Go ahead and go because I don't care. Um, so she went for a few weeks, and, you know, at school it felt like I was two feet tall amidst giants walking down the hallways, and it was just the worst, absolute worst couple, you know, weeks of my life going through all that. Um, she came back from rehab. She actually started going to church with my Aunt Laurie. Um, that process kind of went, she fell in love with God, was doing really well that way. I'm trying to get us to go. Um, and I still was like, I just, I don't know how I feel about you yet. It's just, it's weird. It was still a strained relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So that was weird. Um, ended up finally giving in, going to the youth group. Um, and that was the best decision I ever made. I met some really cool people in there. Um, that's where I met my amazing girlfriend I have now there. Um, and then it kind of process went that way. Um, she took me out of school, started right. homeschooling, and then that's when I was like, cool, Ninja Warrior, let's go. Like, right. So I say I trained since I was nine, but I didn't legitimately just start going nuts into it till I was probably 13 or 14 was when it really, like, this is it. Right. I'm focusing my life to this, you know, honoring God and Ninja Warrior. Right. You know, that was my thing, and that's what I've done ever since, and here I am, you know, you guys writing the me stories of me in the paper and seeing it, it's like a... A story folding out of my life and I see it and I'm like this is amazing and then the last article comes out and it's like oh he got nabbed by the speed trap it's over and I'm like no it's not like right. this story's not done until exactly I'm on the mountain in Vegas and it's then I'll be I'll be like okay like I fully lived the dream like right. I did everything I possibly could and it's not even I want I don't care about money or the fame or the glory it's just I want to just spread my story I want to help as many people as possible and I just want to do what I absolutely love and you know, have God's name with me through it all. And, you know, I got people supporting me now and 
my mom and my dad are my biggest supporters. Um, yeah. They're both fully clean. My mom's been sober for a couple of years, um, and my girlfriend comes to everything, um, absolutely everything. I don't think she's missed one right. and just supports me, and they all scream like crazy for me, and I just love it. And yeah. it's looking back after the episode aired kind of by myself after I got off the phone with you. I just remember sitting there, and it was almost surreal that I completely did all of this, and it, it happened. Yeah, well, and and let's go into that that final round. Let's let's talk about that because it was it was quick. Yeah. Um, it, it, and you had it you you know you had it in your head that you needed to get through it you know with some speed because you wanted to because time was becoming a factor at that yeah, at that definitely. at that stage once you reached to the final. So um, yeah, just talk to us about you know that making that final run and and what happened there. Yeah. So that was a run where a lot of pe- I was halfway again, um, and there was a lot of people who ran before me. So I was like, okay, we need to just go. Yeah. Um, and the whole same process went. Producer was like, hey, we're gonna do. It. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna do this. And and before I got on, he's like, hey, I want you to give more energy to your fans and to your parents. And so I was like, okay, I can do that. And he's like, okay, you're on like five seconds. And I was like, oh my god, <laughs> I don't even know what I'm Wait gonna say to them. <laughs> so, so I get up on stage and start hitting the stage, and I'm just, I'm pumped. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Um, I pointed over to my mom and dad. I was like, I love you, but. The one difference with this time, as soon as I came up, the crowd was so much louder, and like they like kind of knew me, and there was some more people local that I didn't realize were there too, and so they were all cheering like crazy for me, and then I try to refocus back on what I'm doing, and he's like, all right, let's go, and then I just take off right through the steps, right through the second obstacle. Um, I think it took me 10 seconds to do two. Yeah. Started on the third one. Um, I remember before I started, I kind of pointed to my parents, and I was like, hey, no, no, no. I was like, okay on the board remember what you did last night so i started doing it went up went fine it felt good i was going quickly um coming down in the end i was like all right i got this and the board was slightly crooked um and i tried to move down and jump um and my left hand hit before my right couldn't really correct it and i just went down um and i stayed under the water for a couple extra seconds on that one of just like what did you just do right um came up and i was just devastated um looked around and kind of waved to people and was like you know blew some kisses and got out of the pool and they brought the camera up to my face and like hey what went wrong and i'm like i don't know i just went so fast i kind of just slipped off um but i was like you know i love this it was a great opportunity i love all you guys like always and, yeah you know just try to find some good in it and be happy about it and, you know i cried when i got back in the holding area because i was just like man i could have done better mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm still proud of myself. I mean, I was a rookie. I got 14th in the qualifier. I made it to the city finals my rookie year. And, I mean, I just completely blew it up, I feel like. Mm-hmm. You know, I got 30 seconds of air time, but, I mean, it was, like, action-packed. So yeah. I was like, you yes, know what? Hey, I'm, I'm happy with it. So. <laughs> and so, you know, you mentioned that your story is not done until you're on the top of that mountain. So yeah, what do you have to do to get back to the, the I guess, qualifying round again? Yeah. So the same process is going to start all over again. I've, I've been training, like, hardest I've ever trained and just completely doing crazy things now and trying to make a video again and put it in and hope to get a call back go through qualifier go through the city finals and if you can get through both of those and then top uh, 15 top 30 of the qualifier you go to the finals so of course I want to get back to there again um, and then it's top 10 uh, top 11 guys mm-hmm. I believe go through that and then it's Vegas um, and then it's four stages and I want to get to Vegas because that's the mountaintop, and I want to see how far I can go in that. I mean, obviously, total victory is the goal for everybody is to get to right. stage four and get that rope climb and hit the buzzer on the top. Um, but just to make it there would be just the best experience ever of just getting there and just keep on going. And once I get there, it's not like, okay, I can stop now. So mm-hmm. I'm going to keep going, but, like, I just want to I want to do the best I can do and get as far as I can. Do you get the sense that um – you'll you'll be back on you do they give you a, do they give you any inclination like hey you know you know we we like you send in another application i mean i mean i'm not too sure i can't say like you can't I'm say like, right oh i've been on before i'm good to right. go again because it's just you know i'm i don't you know i'm not sure um i'm just staying humble and saying sure. you know what just try it again and let's go for it you know just like everybody else we all have to try again even the veterans they still get called back so it's like do those veterans have to reapply though? Like some of those big name guys that were at the yeah, the they all make they all make them. Um, I mean, I, I would assume they probably have a higher callback rate because they've yeah. been on so long. Okay, um, but you know, see, I, I, I was under the impression that they would just there. say, "Yeah, you're in next year. Like <laughs> you don't need to apply just because they're the quote unquote like fan favorites." You know that that drive yeah, viewership. 
I mean, I guess it could work that way, but from all the posts on Instagram, I've seen everybody gets called back, and it's yeah. still exciting for everybody because, like, you know, it's... Like, there's no way that they don't just automatically give Jesse Graff, a, you know, a pass through to, <laughs> you know, you're going you're, you're going to be in qualifying, yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean, Jesse's amazing, so yeah. they might, you know. Yeah, anyway. But so outside of Ninja Warrior, I understand that you also help people kind of learn how to be little Ninja Warriors. Yeah, I I love kids. Um, I Like I said, I started JCX. Um, here recently I helped out with uh, starting Otherworld Fitness. Um, so I'm currently there full-time. That's also in Frederick? Yeah, okay. yeah. Currently there full-time. I'm starting up some kids' programs. Um, and I just, I've loved them. I've worked with them my whole life. Um, and I say that like I've been alive for a long time. But, you know, <laughs> I've I've worked at churches and helped out in nurseries even at a young age. So I just always loved them. Um, I love teaching them. Nothing makes me happier than working with kids in the gym and seeing them get happy and excited that they did something. Um, I love going to their competitions and seeing some of my kids win. It's just yeah. the best um, I partner with like uh, kids like us, the um, charity, so I can help spread my story to kids who have the same back, similar backstory as me, um, with a parent that struggles with addiction or ones in jail or whatever. Um, and then I believe in me is another one with actual adults. Um, helping up mission is one that um, other worlds actually a part of, where it's recovering addicts come in to learn um, relationship skills and just work out and like hang out together to learn how to talk to somebody again and just have some fun away from bad things that can hurt them well i mean it's uh, it's an awesome story and it's it was a blast to follow it um and i hope you know i we hope i'd love to keep writing about it so (laughs) i would love if you did too yeah best i've ever had i I made a little collage and framed them all up i'm so proud of it i just love it It's it's a very cool story and we hope to continue to to write about you as we move forward here so yes sir thanks for uh i don't know if you wanted to add anything else no i think thank you so much for coming on i hope that we can say we're going to bring you back again yes Um, absolutely thank you so much for having me i appreciate it I'm going to have to say, I'm going to let, you know, my fangirl moment, my dad and my mom love American Ninja Warriors. I feel like I grew up with it, too. So, like, I'm going to have to go home and be like, I got to interview someone on the show. And very cool. It is is bragging rights. It's a difficult thing to cover, too, as a reporter, because, like, I have no, you can't tell me anything. So, like, I have to sit here. I got to sit and watch that first night when I was, like, hoping against hope that you would appear on the show and i'm like man you know like he didn't even appear like and now i gotta call him and talk to him and it's like you know it's a rushed really rushed night because it's the end yeah. of our night but you were always so gracious and like called me like right away and you know went through everything with me so i really appreciated that it's, a, it's an incredibly fun thing to cover for as yeah, a writer it was, it was so. enjoyable I, I looked forward to the phone calls and yeah, the interviews i was like this is so neat like yeah. the whole experience was just absolutely just mind-blowing yeah all right, so before you go, what was the best obstacle and what was the worst obstacle? Uh, best obstacle would have been the second one, um, those spinning hooks, and uh, crank it up is a nightmare. I don't like that <laughs> one. So I'll get back to it at some point, though. We'll, you c- we'll take it down. Yeah, you'll conquer that Yeah, eventually. we'll take it down. All right, perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking with us. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. Thanks, okay. Tristan. All right, Kate, tell us what's coming up in 72 hours this week. Well, our cover story is going to address efforts um, by a lot of the local breweries to host entertainment. Uh, This has been sort of a recurring issue for the last couple of years, especially as more and more breweries move into the city. And the story kind of starts and centers on Old Mother, um, which is a pretty well-known local craft brewery that recently opened a rear room that's 4,000 square feet and is offering a lot of different new entertainment options. You know, they have things like Cornhole League and, um, you know, occasional big parties with live bands and DJs and acoustic nights and regular trivia. Um... And they're all things that a lot of the local breweries would like to be offering regularly. But the problem is that that current city ordinances have not kept up with that demand. So essentially, if you're a brewery and you're not at 10,000 square feet or above, you are technically not allowed to host entertainment of any kind under current city ordinances. And that's something that's been a struggle for a lot of these business owners, um, especially as more and more of them are realizing that the entertainment component is kind of um, essential to their business. So Old Mother has this, but what are some of the other breweries that are telling you that they want to see more entertainment? Well, actually, and I, I should have said this earlier, but distilleries play a role, too, because they're also um, you know, not permitted to have entertainment under these current regulations. And one of the biggest advocates is Monica Pierce at the Tenth Ward Cocktail Lab. We've written about uh, them before, and her point is that 
you know, when you're trying to get people to stay in and enjoy a drink and hopefully buy more than one drink, it becomes kind of necessary to give them activities to do um, to entice them to stay. And that's sort of the same thing that was repeated to me by brewery owners like Paul Tinney of Rockwell and Mike Clements of Idiom, uh, which is down on Carroll Creek. I think it's also important to note that the, the regulations are kind of hard to wade through and appear in two different sections of the city code. So a lot of these brewery owners didn't know about them before they opened and then they go to apply for entertainment and are suddenly you know told that they can't do it and so it's been um, an issue that they're they've been kind of trying to work out so when you say entertainment is this entertainment like I want to hold the new artist that's coming into town or is this entertainment like I want to hold a trivia night and be part of one of the trivia companies yeah that's a good question Um, and it's actually pretty much anything I spoke with Gabrielle Collard with the city and she essentially described it um, under current city code as and I'm paraphrasing a little bit here but any event or series of events that an audience is um, you know invited to listen to or or to participate in. So under that, you know, yoga would be enter- live entertainment or, you know, like you mentioned, trivia would be live entertainment. Or if a distillery wanted to host a guest, guest lecturer to talk about, you know, distilling history in Maryland, that would be live entertainment. And I think that's kind of sowed a lot of confusion within the city because when most people think of regulations on entertainment, they think of things with live music, which does admittedly have that nuisance factor, right? Like you're in a mixed use area, there are residents who might complain about the noise, um, you know, the city points out that there may be more traffic, either foot or car, um, you know, you're, you're crowding more people into a space. And so there are reasonable, you know, or rather logical reasons for restricting that entertainment. But I think from the brewery and distillery side, things like yoga, you know, are, it's kind of such a low impact activity that it doesn't really make sense to them that they can't hold it. So do you think this is something that we're going to see get sorted out relatively soon? Yeah, I actually um, know that there's going to be at least one solution or solution or another. Um, this has become such a big thing that, that the Downtown Frederick Partnership for the past six months has been convening a working group to talk about live entertainment um, at the breweries and distilleries. They recently um, helped introduce draft legislation that would change that ordinance and actually make it for restaurants to host recurring entertainment as well. And so that was something um, that will be discussed uh, at the city level on a workshop on Wednesday of next week. And then, um, of course, it has to go through a public hearing and a vote, but Alderman uh, Roger Wilson, who's supporting the legislation, is pretty confident that it's going to be a majority yes. All right, awesome. And now I know this has nothing to do with your stories, but I just want to give a shout out to Kate because clearly if you have any questions about the city ordinance, she seems to be a wealth of knowledge on this. <laughs> so I think this is what, your third or fourth store you've come in to talk yeah, about? Yeah, a ordinance. lot of city ordinances. <laughs> um, do you have a lot of fun reading through all that? You know, I just think it's, to me, maybe because I'm like a massive dork, but it's interesting to me how these ordinances are affecting, you know, sort of quality of life in Frederick. When you think about like entertainment or just from a citizen's perspective, like, the ability to go out and catch live music at breweries or you know go dancing it's something that you know we don't have too much of in Frederick and to me it's interesting to see how this sort of network of ordinances is sort of um, influencing that within the city very cool all right so what else can people expect to see well um in exciting restaurant news um anyone who reads me (laughs) might know that i'm a really big fan of um, a food truck called gambrel mountain food company i think that they're really great and they do really creative cooking and so i was very psyched when i uh saw this week that they are actually going to open a brick and mortar they're transitioning you know from sole food truck ownership to having a, a real restaurant um and they're actually going to open in the Cafe Bueno uh, space on East Street, or rather their former space. Cafe Bueno is in the process of transitioning to a bigger restaurant, and so um, Guillermo Mountain is going to take over that smaller space, and I'm really excited because I think that they do really good work, and I'm excited to see what they can do with sort of, you know, a more um, settled, I guess, kitchen. All right, awesome. Well, and speaking of brick and mortars, you went to one this week. Yeah, and so like in the, it's actually kind of a trend for, um, at least in Frederick, for food trucks to start settling into actual restaurants. Um, and Boxcar Burgers, which is another well-known food truck in Frederick, recently um, in May opened a brick and mortar restaurant. So I went and reviewed them for our, 
in review series um, and I really liked them. For me though, the interesting thing was that um, their Impossible Burger is really, really good and I actually preferred it to the real beef. So even for hardened omnivores, I would argue that the vegetarian option in this in this case might be the way to go and since i just happen to be tagging along with that one i think what i I didn't get to try the impossible burger but i'll take your word for it but i did find their uh addition of beets to as a topping to the burger was quite delicious yes yeah that's a good point that their kind of signature is adding these pickled beets to the burgers that are really good all right is there anything else people should be excited to read about Um, Well, if you're a fan of kind of niche liquor, you might be interested to know that uh, another Frederick Brewery is debuting a uh, Geneviever or Geneviever or Yenever. I've heard a ton of different pronunciations, but it's basically the Dutch predecessor to London Dry Gin. Um, You might remember that we did a story about it in 72 when 10th Ward debuted their version, but now McClintock is launching their own Ginever, uh, which is in collaboration with the Baltimore Spirits Company. And it was kind of a cool exchange where the Baltimore Spirits Company used mash from McClintock's Rye Whiskey. And McClintock used the mash from Baltimore Spirits Company Rye Whiskey. And they both made their own Ginevers that are debuting at the same time. Um, and if, if you've never had them, I would describe it, or it's commonly described to me as well, as sort of a blend between mis- whiskey and gin, where you get the maltiness from that um, grain, grain base, uh, but you also get a lot of botanicals like juniper. And is this something you would drink on the rocks, or you'd mix it with another alcohol, or some kind of mixer (laughs) well i think for a lot of these distillers you know like every spirit should be a sipping spirit um but i've also heard or it's been told that it makes a a mean cocktail i think that you could probably i uh brayden bumpers owner of mcclintock said that the jennifer doesn't hold up as well in a gin and tonic but it does play really well in any cocktail that would ordinarily use gin or whiskey as its base you could kind of substitute the jennifer and see how it tastes Awesome. Well, as always, you can read Kate's pieces in 72 hours, and that is found online at fredericknewspost.com or on the stands on Thursdays. Kate, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks, Heather. Frederick Uncut is produced by me, Heather Mangilio, and edited by Graham Cullen. We'll see you next week.